Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I am Evangelist Janice Nelson, and I want to welcome you to season three of Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole, a weekly women's Bible study podcast. Today is Sabbath Sunday, December 25th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Merry Christmas. And this Bible study podcast, we address various issues that break the spirit of women and then seek to promote women's spiritual wholeness and well-being with lessons learned from the word of God. Ladies, let's pray. Our God and our Father, we bow our heads and humble ourselves before your throne of mercy and of grace. As we begin our Bible study, we ask you to join us in the study of your word. Anoint my lips of clay so that your word goes forth in spirit and in truth. Hide me behind the shadow of your cross so that you only are seen and heard in this Bible study. Will you bind the powers of the spirit of darkness so that not one evil deed is met against this ministry or these your people? Bless each person within the sound of my voice and be you glorified. In Jesus name, I ask all of these things and give you thanks even now in advance for answered prayer. Count it as done by faith and in accordance to your word. Amen. Ladies, today we continue our Bible study on the book of Ezekiel. This is a book that many women may not want to read first because it is a difficult book to read. And second, because many women identify Ezekiel as a misogynist, meaning someone who despises or is strongly prejudiced against women. They have arrived at this conclusion based on the sexually explicit imagery in several chapters of the book of Ezekiel, particularly in chapters 16 and 23, where some of the imagery is violent and abusive against women. It's going to take us quite a bit of time to work our way through the entire book of Ezekiel, but I hope you will hang in there with me as we work our way through this interesting text because there really is more to Ezekiel's sexually violent imagery than that which first meets the eye. And I fully recognize that this text and its long history of interpretation has done some serious and irrevocable harm to women, but we must still question what drove Ezekiel to write such sexually violent imagery and what were the historical, sociological, and cultural forces in play at the time of Ezekiel's writing that makes these images symbolically and rhetorically powerful today. Now, I usually don't read all of the verses in the chapter, but I am doing that for chapter 23, just as I did for chapter 16, because I do think it's important for women to understand why you know, they despise Ezekiel, why they believe that he is someone that despises women and is prejudiced against them. Um, when I read scripture, I'll read from either the King James Version or the, let's see, the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. And if I deviate from these versions, then I will let you know. Okay, so let me just give you a, a brief review of what we have gone over so far so that you know, I can bring you up to date and then we'll get into our new, um, our new lesson today. Ladies, the book of Ezekiel contains the prophecies can, attributed to the prophet Ezekiel. And Ezekiel chapter 13 forms part of a series of predictions regarding the fall of Jerusalem and is written in the form of a message delivered by God to Ezekiel written in three parts. Now, part one, which we started studied two weeks ago, is God's first person account of his marriage to Ahola and Aholabah. And this marriage is symbolic of the marriage covenant with um, with Israel. Ahola represents uh, Samaria and Aholabah represents Jerusalem. And of course, Jerusalem, when we're speaking in Ezekiel, was all of Israel. And Ahola and Aholabah are sisters. Part two of God's message, which we studied last week, is God's announcement of judgment against Aholabah. And part three of God's message is 
what we will be looking at today in Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 36 through 49. And it is God's command to Ezekiel to judge the two sisters and make known their abominations. So by way of review, Ezekiel chapter three delves into the similarities of Ahola, who represents Samaria, and Aholabah, who represents Jerusalem. Ezekiel uses harlotry or prostitution metaphorically to define the forging of multiple political alliances, which he asserts were undertaken at the sisters' initiative. Some readers of the Ezekiel text identify with those involved in diplomatic negotiations with the kingdoms of Assyria and Babylon. And as these readers identify with the female characters, of Ahola and Aholabah, they recognize their attempts to secure power through the lens of Ezekiel's sexual metaphor of harlotry or prostitution. Other readers note the fundamental ambiguity in the narrative account of the sisters' involvement with their lovers. On the one hand, their activity is characterized as whoredom, which suggests that the sisters initiated the alliances. On the other hand, the sisters become passive victims of their lovers' brutal advances, as seen in Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 3 and 8. Some readers see this as a typical patriarchal incorrect labeling of women's experience because by calling the sisters' experiences prostitution instead of rape, the narrative is blaming the victim. And as we all know, victim blaming is a symptom of rape culture where society minimizes the severity of sexual violence against women and normalizes attitudes and beliefs that defend it. Despite viewing this as a fundamental problem of the chapter, the metaphor of harlotry or prostitution depends on this ambiguity because as a prostitute, Aholaba initiates dangerous sexual liaisons, believing that she can dictate and control the terms of the transactions. Unfortunately, she soon finds herself subject to advances that she cannot control. And by the end of the narrative, it is crystal clear that Ahola Ba is not as shrewd or sharp-witted as she believed herself to be. In verses 5 through 7, Ahola, or Samaria, stands accused of playing a harlot with Assyrian soldiers. She rejects God and lusts after foreign nations, and God says that because of this, Ahola, or Samaria, must be conquered by the Assyrians and live under their control. So God turns Ahola, or Samaria, over to Assyrian control. The Assyrians humiliate Ahola by stripping her naked, taking her children captive, and then they kill her and many others with the sword. And Ahola, or Samaria, becomes a byword for well-deserved punishment. Then in verses 11 through 13, we read about the sins and judgment of Ahola Ba, or Jerusalem, the younger sister of Ahola, or Samaria. She was very much aware of God's judgment and punishment on her older sister, Ahola, who was accused of playing the whore with Egypt while her husband, that would be God, watched. Aholabah was guilty of the same offenses as her sister, but also of being worse than her sister in her lusting after and pursuit of the Assyrians and in her prostitutions. Two weeks ago, we read in Ezekiel chapter 13, verses 9 and 10, God's judgment on Ahola 
or Samaria. And that whereas Ahola's or Samaria's destruction should have been an object lesson to lead Aholabah or Jerusalem to repentance, God says that Aholabah's adulteries exceeded those of her sisters. And keep in mind, adulteries are symbolic of the violation of the covenant, marriage covenant between God and Israel. Aholabah or Jerusalem sent messengers to the Babylonian soldiers initiating dangerous sexual liaisons. And the Bible says they came to her into her bed of love and defiled her with their lust. And after she defiled herself with them, she turned from them in disgust. Now, ladies, feeling disgust means to feel revulsion or repugnance. And feeling disgust after a sexual encounter is a natural reaction to a relationship that is not intimate. So Jerusalem's feeling disgusted after she defiled herself with the Babylonians was an appropriate spiritual illustration and a literal reality of Jerusalem's gross promiscuity and idolatry. Now talk about a whole being disgusted with the Babylonian soldiers in verses 18 through 21, we read that God was disgusted with Aholabah's unfaithful behavior. God said that Aholabah openly carried out her prostitutions and flaunted her nakedness. She increased her prostitution as she longed for the lewdness of her youth when the Egyptians fondled her bosom and caressed her young breasts. Remember we read in Ezekiel chapter 16 that the Egyptians' members or their penises were like those of donkeys in size and their emission or ejaculation was like that of a stallion. Due to Aholabah's sinful nature, God abandoned her and sent Babylonian soldiers to conquer and to disfigure her, meaning God spoiled her attractiveness. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 22 through 34, we read God's direct unmediate, unmediated speech to Jerusalem, wherein God said yet again that Aholabah's or Jerusalem's prostitution was worse than her sister Ahola or Samaria. And because of this, he would rouse her lovers. Her lovers were the Babylonians and the Chaldeans, Pekod and Shoah and Koah and all the Assyrians. And he would rouse them against her from every side with buckler, shield, and helmet. So God committed the judgment against Aholabah to her lovers. And the Bible says they came against Ahola from the north with chariots and wagons and a host of peoples. And they dealt with Aholabah or Jerusalem in fury. So this gets violent. They cut off her nose and her ears. They seized her sons and her daughters and her survivors were devoured by fire. Further, they stripped her of her clothes and took away her fine jewels. So this is nakedness, exposure, and shame. God said, I will put an end to your lewdness and your prostitution brought from the land of Egypt, and you shall not long for them or remember Egypt anymore. And it's interesting because Egypt was the enslaver of the Israelites under Pharaoh. And these the, Israel, the Egyptians are one of the foreign nations that Jerusalem engaged in um, promiscuous relations with. Now, remember three weeks ago, we did our overview of Ezekiel chapter 23. And I said that Aholabah's name um, meant my tabernacle is in her. As such, God's judgment against Aholabah 
or Jerusalem was all the more deserved because the great blessing of the temple and the priesthood in her midst made her more accountable. So now Aholabah or Jerusalem was about to learn that those who she pursued and gave herself to would not treat her well at all. They would not treat her gently like a lover. No, God turned her over to armies of soldiers who were aggressive and abusive towards her and who perpetuated a cycle of shame against her. Now, keep in mind that Jerusalem is representative of all of Israel and God's favor transformed Jerusalem. Remember that in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses four through seven, we read that Jerusalem's birth, I read about Jerusalem's birth and how God raised her from her humble, hated state, struggling in her own blood, weak, poor, and near death. Remember, she was abandoned at birth. And he raised her to thriving like a plant in the field. Then we read Ezekiel chapter 16, um, verses 9 through 13, that the foreign nations were jealous of Jerusalem because of God's generous love and care of her and because she excelled in beauty. The Bible says she grew exceedingly beautiful, fit to be a queen, and was raised to royalty status. She became famous among the nations, and it was all because of the splendor that God bestowed on her, not of herself. And ladies, I, I, I have to tell you, I personally believe that when someone hates you and is jealous of you, it is because they hate themselves. They want to be you, and they see you as a threat. Verse 28 says that God delivered Jerusalem over to those who hated her. And verse 29 says that the foreign nations deal with Jerusalem in hatred. And remember, this is God's judgment against Jerusalem for her lewdness and her prostitution. And God tells Jerusalem in verse 30 that she brought his judgment on herself because she prostituted herself with the nations and polluted or defiled herself with their idols. And because Aholabah had gone the way of her sister, Ahola or Samaria, as further judgment, God gave Aholabah her sister's cup to drink, meaning that Aholabah would drink Ahola's, Ahola's cup of judgment as well as her own. And so that would be deep, wide, and bitter. And onlookers and foreign nations would have no sympathy for her. Instead, they would ridicule or mock her as she was filled with drunkenness and sorrow. And drunkenness is associated with confusion. And the whole Abah or Jerusalem is portrayed as being a desperate outcast who literally drinks herself into madness to the point that whereas she once craved the fondling of her breast by foreign lovers, now in her misery, she tears at her own breast, gnawing them to shreds and tearing them off her own body. My goodness. So instead of regulating her emotions and practicing self-care and self-love, Aholabah or Jerusalem sought self-harm as an outlet for her pain and humiliation. And that brings us up to date. So now let's unpack our lesson today, Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 36 through 49, titled Ahola and Aholabah, two peas in a pod, part four. In verse 37, God commands Ezekiel to judge the two sisters, Ahola or Samaria and Aholabah, that would be Jerusalem, and make known their abominations to them. God says they have committed adultery and blood is on their hands. With their idols, they have committed adultery and they have even offered up to them for food the children whom they had born to me. Moreover, 
This they have done to me. Listen to what God says the sisters did to him. They have defiled my sanctuary on the same day and profaned my Sabbath. For when they had slaughtered their children for their idols, on the same day they came into my sanctuary to profane it. God says this is what they, this is the sisters, did in my house. And of course, the house is God's temple. This third section of God's message is a sort of revised version of earlier themes. Thus far, God spoke symbolically about the sins of Samaria and Jerusalem by using their sexual immorality or harlotry metaphorically to illustrate Israel's adultery. Remember that Jerusalem is representative of all of uh, Israel. In verse 37 and in verse 43, which we'll read in a minute, what was previously called Zana is now called adultery because Israel was unfaithful in her marriage covenant with God. Also, the lovers who were considered political allies in Ezekiel 16 verses 23 through 34 are identified as idols in verse 37 of our text, not allies. The sisters were also unfaithful in their communities because they practiced violence under the cover of Mosaic law. According to verse 39, they slaughtered and sacrificed or burned their infant children to death. These were children that God had given them in tribute to Molech, the idol Molech. God says that after Ahola or Samaria and Aholabah or Jerusalem did this, they defiled his sanctuary and profaned the Sabbath because they offered their children to the idol Molech on one of the Sabbaths and then on that same day dared to worship in the temple, thereby profaning it. And God says, this is what they did in my house. Ladies, if you belong to God, if you call him a Christian, you need to understand that God sees everything you do. Ahola or Samaria and Aholabah, that would be Jerusalem, were accused of playing the whore in Egypt while their husband, that would be God, watched. I'm telling you, he sees everything you do. Verse 40 through 42 says, they even sent for men to come from afar away to whom a messenger was sent and they came. For them, you bathed yourself, painted your eyes and decked yourself with ornaments. You sat on a stately couch with a table spread before it on which you had placed my incense and my oils. The sounds of raunchous mult of a raunchous multitude was around her with many of the rabble brought in drunken from the wilderness and they put bracelets on the arms of the women and beautiful crowns on their head. This was what Ahola or Samaria and Ahola Ba that would be Jerusalem did in chapter 16, verse 39. They both carefully prepared themselves to engage in the lewd profession of prostitution by washing themselves, painting their eyes, and by adorning themselves, and even used God's appointed sacred incense and oil attended for the service of the temple in idolatry. And in chapter 23, verse 16, we read that Aholabah, or Jerusalem, who, as we know, was worse than her sister Ahola, or Samaria, went so far as to initiate sexual liaisons with the Babylonian military officers by sending messengers to them in Chaldea. 
verses 43 through 44, it says, then I said, ah, she is worn out with adulteries, but they carry on their sexual acts with her. They have gone into her as one goes into a prostitute. Thus, they went into Ahola and Ahola Ba, wanton women. Righteous judges shall declare them guilty of adultery and of the bloodshed, of bloodshed because they are adulteresses and blood is on their hands. Can you just see these two old, tired, worn out prostitutes with the physical damage to their bodies, not to mention venereal diseases, entrance area infection, inflammation, and the frequent genital warts they must have been diagnosed with, among other things, still engaging in prostitution? Oh, yuck. And this is the third time in our text today that Ahola or Samaria and Holabot or Jerusalem have been declared guilty of adultery and of having blood on their hands. First in verse 37 and twice in verse 45. Again, remember the collect from the Book of Common Prayer concerning things repeated in the scripture word for word. We are to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest. If something is repeated three times, it demands our contemplation, assimilation, even our memorization, okay? Don't forget that because God is not repeating himself just to hear himself talk. Repetition serves as a key tool for studying God's word. It places emphasis on important people, themes, or events and offers credibility. You might remember that in the ancient world, legal testimonies were considered valid if they could be substantiated by at least two or three witnesses. You can refer to that in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. So Ahola or Samaria and Aholaba, Jerusalem, Two tired, old, worn-out prostitutes had an illusion of prostitution as a glamorous profession that would last forever. But God says that any righteous man would perceive they were simply unfaithful adulteresses that had blood on their hands. Finally, verses 46 through 49 says, For thus says the Lord God, Bring up an assembly against them and make them an object of terror and of plunder. The assembly shall stone them, and with their sword they shall cut them down. They shall kill their sons and their daughters and burn their houses. Thus will I put an end to lewdness in the land, so that all women may take warning. All women take warning and not commit lewdness as you have. They shall repay you for your lewdness and you shall bear the penalty for your sinful idolatry and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Notice that Ahola or Samaria is included in our text today, which might be a little confusing for some of you who've been following along with this lesson because she was killed by the Assyrians as punishment for her adulteries in verse 10, which we studied a couple of weeks ago. The reason for including Ahola or Samaria in verse 48 is to emphasize that, emphasize that God is putting an end to lewdness in the land. So the comprehensive judgment of both Ahola being Samaria and Ahola Ba being Jerusalem resembles the categorical declaration in chapter 20, which we'll get to in a few weeks, that all of Israel will be brought under the bond of the covenant. The sisters are judged as adulteresses. The punishment for adultery and the shedding of blood, according to Mosaic law, was execution or death by stoning, to which is added in our text, destruction of their property with fire. 
And you can also read about that in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10 and Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 21. The penalty had already been carried out on Samaria. Remember, she died back in verse 10. She was destroyed. It would soon be carried out on Jerusalem. Then God said, I will put an end to your to the lewdness in the land so that all women may take warning and not commit lewdness as you have done. Ladies, pay attention. As previously stated in Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 27, the punishment of conquest and exile would have a cleansing effect upon Jerusalem and Judah or Samaria. And that would be the southern and northern kingdoms of Israel, respectively. The particular sin of idolatry would never again be the same problem as it was prior to the exile. And finally, Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 49 ends with the recognition formula, which we have talked about so many times in our study of the book of Ezekiel. It says, and you shall know that I am the Lord God. Ladies, idolatry is at the root of all sin because sin seeks to steal glory from God to whom alone it is due. The severity of the conquest and the exile had a purpose greater than punishment. Through the faithfulness of one, sin and idolatry would be undone and God's people will one day possess a restored image. So the ultimate purpose was to reveal God and both his holy judgments and his gracious restoration. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. If this ministry has been a blessing to you and you want to support it, we have several ways in which you can do that. First, via the Tidely app at Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. Second, at Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y.com, you may donate to Broken Vessels hyphen Mended and Whole, or you may mail whatever gifts of love you feel led to give to Broken Vessels Mended and Whole. We are a 501c3 nonprofit religious organization located at P.O. Box 34637 in Los Angeles, California, 90034. Please join me next week as we continue our Bible study on the book of Ezekiel right here on Broken Vessels, Mended and Whole. In the meantime, take good care. May God continue to bless you and Merry Christmas. May you have the gift of faith, the blessing of hope, and the peace of God's love this Christmas day and always. Amen.